Today, inshallah, we will study Ayatul Kursi. And Ayatul Kursi is the greatest ayah of the Qur'an. It is a'zamu ayah fi kitabillah. It is the greatest verse, the most grand verse that is in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he once asked Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu anhu, that ayyu ayatin a'zamu fi kitabillah. He asked Ubay ibn Ka'b that, O oh Ubay, which verse is the greatest in the book of Allah? And Ubay, he replied, Ayatul Kursi. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was so happy that he pat him on his chest, he struck him on his chest, and he said, لِيَهْنِكَ الْعِلْمُ أَبَلْ Munzir." That, O oh, Abul Munzir, rejoice because of this knowledge that you have. He was so happy that he gave him a pat. You know, like people go, props. So he gave him a pat on his chest, and he said, congratulations for this knowledge that you have. May this knowledge be a source of blessing for you. Rejoice, be happy that Allah has blessed you with this ilm. That you know that the greatest verse of the book of Allah is Ayatul Kursi. And because this is the greatest verse, this is the reason why when a person recites Ayatul Kursi in the night, there always remains with him a hafiz, a protector from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guard him so that the shaitan cannot approach him until the morning. And this ayah, it's only one ayah, but it constitutes ten sentences, ten complete sentences, which are great in their meaning, which are very vast and deep in their meaning. So apparently one verse, but the greatest verse of the book of Allah, and greatest does not mean longest. Greatest means that greatest in its meaning, in its merits, in its rank, in its effect, in its benefit, in its virtue. So this is the greatest ayah of the Qur'an. And another reason why it is the greatest ayah of the Qur'an is because it informs us about who? About Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And who is Allah the greatest? So the ayah that tells us about Allah will also be the greatest. It tells us about the majesty of Allah, the perfection of Allah's attributes, His actions, and His grandness in this dunya and also in the hereafter. And this ayah contains the most grand names of Allah as well. It contains Ismullah al-A'wam, the greatest, the most grand names of Allah. Which ones are they? Al-Hayy and Al-Qayyum. And these grand names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in a hadith we learn, Asma bint Yazid, she reported that I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa say about these verses in which Allah's most grand names are mentioned, which is Ayatul Kursi and also the second verse of Surah Ali Imran, Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum, that they contain Allah's greatest name. So which one are they? Al-Hayy and Al-Qayyum. And another report tells us that the Prophet ﷺ said, Ismullah al-A'zam alladhi idha du'iya bihi ajaba. That the name of Allah, which is the most grand, Al-Hay Al-Qayyum, if you call upon Allah by these names, then He will respond to your call. He will answer your prayer when you call upon Him by these grand names. And when we study the meaning of these names, then you'll know why Allah does not reject the dua of the one who calls upon Him by these names. So, Al-Hay Al-Qayyum, 
are the names which are in this ayah as well. So we see that this ayah is the greatest because on the one hand, it teaches us about the greatness of Allah, the oneness of Allah, and it's a means of protection in this world, and it is also a means of protection in the hereafter. It's a means of entry into paradise. A hadith tells us that whoever recites ayatul kursi immediately after each prescribed prayer, and what that means is that after the salah, And before reciting Ayatul Kursi, he does not say anything else. Meaning he does not talk to anyone. Obviously he will say, Allahu Akbar, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. But not like he's answering his phone and sending a text message and talking to the people who are around him. No. Without talking to anyone, if he recites Ayatul Kursi, immediately after the Fad Salah, then there will be nothing standing between him and his entering paradise except for death. Meaning if he was to die, then he would go straight where? To paradise. But this cannot happen if we don't recite Ayatul Kursi after every salah. Meaning we don't do this consistently. It can't be that we do it you know, once a day. You know, After Fajr, okay, we recite Ayatul Kursi. After Asr, we do it. And then we skip Maghrib Isha and the next day we do it. No, it has to be a consistent habit, a regular habit. The person who does it, a person who says it, then inshallah, he will go to paradise. The Prophet ﷺ also said that the one who recites Ayatul Kursi after the conclusion of an obligatory prayer, then he is under the care of Allah until the next prayer comes in. Then that person will be under whose care and protection? The care of Allah, Allah's special care. Many times we are about to do something that we are afraid of. We are not too comfortable doing whatever it may be, even if it's cooking something or driving somewhere, whatever it may be, or meeting someone, writing an assignment. We are afraid. Whose help do we need? Whose protection do we need? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So make it a habit. After every salah, recite Ayatul Kursi. How many of you know Ayatul Kursi by heart? Alhamdulillah. All of us know, right? So it's not that difficult. We can do it. It's just about forcing ourselves to just stay there, sit there, and not get up before we recite Ayatul Kursi. And once you develop a habit, inshallah, it should become very easy for you to do it anyway. Then we learned that this ayah is also a means of protection. Protection from who? From shaitan. I'm sure all of you have heard the story of Abu Hurairah anhu that once he was guarding the charity that the people had donated, it was his duty to guard all of that because it had to be distributed amongst the poor and the needy. And obviously everything could not be distributed immediately. So he was supposed to guard all of it in the night. And he saw that somebody came and he was trying to steal as much as he could. And Abu Hurairah went and caught him. And he said, I'm going to take you to the Prophet ﷺ. He said, please let me go. I'm poor, I'm needy, I'm in a desperate situation. I won't come again. So Abu Hurairah, he felt pity for him and he let him go. The next day the Prophet ﷺ asked him that what happened to your prisoner? And he said that I felt pity for him so I let him go. The Prophet ﷺ said he will come again. So the next night, the same thing happened. The man came and he was trying to steal the charity and Abu Hurairah caught him. He gave the same excuse. Abu Hurairah let him go. The next day the Prophet ﷺ asked him the same thing. And this happened three times. And the Prophet ﷺ said each time that he will come. And then finally... That person came again in the night and Abu Hurairah caught him. And that person said, I will teach you something which if you say, shaitan will not harm you at all. Recite Ayatul Kursi in the night and shaitan cannot harm you at all. So Abu Hurairah let him go. The next morning the Prophet ﷺ asked him, what happened? 
And Abu Hurairah told him that this is what he told me about Ayatul Kursi. The Prophet ﷺ said, he's a liar, but at this instance, he spoke the truth. Who was that? Shaytan. So this shows that shaytan can sometimes come in the form of human beings even and try to harm the property of people. Steal it, ruin it, destroy it, cause fire. This happens because of shaytan even. So what should we do? Recite ayatul kursi. Whenever we are afraid that we will get hurt or you know, you're driving for the first time all by yourself and you're very nervous. So recite ayatul kursi. In the night you feel that you know, something is there. Right? Because nobody else is at home and you feel something is there and you're afraid, recite Ayatul Kursi. In the night you wake up and you feel afraid because everybody's asleep and you feel as if somebody's walking upstairs. So what should you do? Recite Ayatul Kursi. Because that will protect you from the evil of shaitan. Then shaitan cannot harm you at all. This is why one of the scholars, he said that there is no single ayah in the Quran which includes that which is comprised in Ayatul Kursi. There is no verse in the book of Allah that is equal to Ayatul Kursi, in other words. In its meaning, in the lessons that it teaches, and in its benefits. There is no comparison. Just as we learned earlier, that in the messengers also, there were levels. So in the ayat of Allah also, there are different levels. So let's read this ayah. A'udhu billahi min shaitanir rajeem. Allahu la ilaha illahu. Allah, there is no deity except for Him. Allah. Allah is the personal, the most noble name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is His personal name, Ismul Jalala. It is the grand name that belongs exclusively to Allah. Only He is deserving of this name. No one else, no one at all can be given the name Allah. And what does it mean? It means Al-Ilah. The God. Meaning the only true God. He is the God. Meaning there's no other God besides Him. There's no one else who deserves this title except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah, la ilaha, there is no God, illahu, except for Him. The fact is that the only one who deserves worship is who? Allah alone. There is no one else, no human being, no planet, no star, no mountain, no animal, nothing. No matter how great, no matter how powerful, no matter how amazing and astounding it may be, there is nothing in the entire existence that deserves worship. The only one who deserves worship is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because He is the only ilah. And everyone else is what? They are the khalq. They are the creation of Allah. And this word ilah, it is from the root letters hamza, lam, ha. Alaha. And alaha is to worship, to show dedication to, to show humility before someone, to become subservient to someone, to completely submit and surrender to them. So Allah, He is the ilah, and He is the only one to whom the entire creation has surrendered themselves to. A person might say, but what about those who don't believe in Allah? How have they submitted to Allah? But look at their bodies. Do they not submit to Allah? They grow when Allah lets them grow. They die when Allah causes them to die. They benefit from something when Allah allows them to benefit. And they suffer from something when Allah makes them suffer. So the fact is that the entire creation 
turns to Allah. Even the bees and the ants and the fish and the clouds and the winds, there is nothing, no creation at all, except that it turns to Allah because He is the only God. So Allah, la ilaha illahu, He is the only one and true ilah. And there may be many beings that are worshipped, that could be in the earth and that could also be in the sky. In the earth, for example, people worship, for instance, other beings or idols, wood, stone, things that they have made themselves or things that Allah has made, whatever it may be, people worship many things that are upon the earth. In the skies, the sun, the moon, people worship them. The stars, people worship them. They seek help through them. They think that good and harm lies in whose power? In the power of the stars. Or they worship the angels. But the fact is that are these creations God? No, they're not. The only one and true God is Allah. This is why Allah says, Ya ayyuhannas u'budu rabbakum. O people, who should you worship? Rabbakum, your God, meaning the one who created you. The stars did not make you. The river did not shape you. The stone idol did not give you anything. In fact, you put everything on it. So the fact is that the only one who deserves worship is who? The one who created everything, the one who owns everything, the one who sustains everything, the one on whom everything depends and he depends on no one. And who is that? Only Allah. الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ the one who created you, and He also created those before you. So everything that is worshipped besides Allah is what? It is batil. It is false. It is not truly God. It does not deserve worship. Allah says in Surah Al-Hajj, Ayah 62, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ That is because Allah, indeed He is the truth, meaning He is the only true God. وَأَنَّمَا يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ هُوَ الْبَاطِلِ And that all that people call upon besides Allah, what is it? It is falsehood. Meaning it does not deserve any worship. Why is it that Allah is the only God? Because He is الْحَيِّ Al-Qayyum. And no one else besides Allah can ever be Hay or Qayyum. Only Allah is Al-Hay Al-Qayyum. Al-Hay from Hayat, Hayaya. Hayat, life. And Qayyum from Qaf wa Mim. Same root as Yuqimuna, Iqama. To stand, to establish. So Al-Hay is the one who is living. The one who is alive. And Al-Qayyum is the one who is established himself and he also establishes others. Let's look at the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Hayy, first. And then we will look at Al-Qayyum. But before we go into the meanings of these names, I want you to realize that these two names of Allah comprise in them His most perfect attributes and His most perfect actions. Meaning the most perfect attributes and actions. Now I want you to imagine the word attribute. What does it mean? Qualities, traits, characteristics. So the most perfect characteristics of Allah and actions. The most perfect actions of Allah are both comprised in which names? Al-Hay and Al-Qayyum. Al-Hay 
comprises in it the most perfect attributes and Al-Qayyum comprises in it the most perfect actions. Now let's look at the name Al-Hay. Al-Hay is the one who is living. But Al-Hay does not just mean one who is alive. No. Al-Hay is the one who has the perfect life. Meaning the one who is living in the most perfect way. His life His living, his existence is free of any deficiency, any fault, any problem. So what does that mean then? That he is the ever-living. Not just the living, but the ever-living. He has al-hayat al-kamila, the most perfect life, the most perfect existence. And what this means is that he exists He always existed before and He will continue to exist forever. Everything else besides Allah. There was a particular point in time when it did not exist. Allah brought it into existence. Allah asks us, هَلْ أَتَى عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ حِينُ مِنَ الدَّهْرِ لَمْ يَكُنْ شَيْءًا مَذْكُورًا Has there not come upon the man a time when he was nothing that is even mentioned? What were you a thousand years ago? Did you have any identity? No. What were you? Were you known on this earth? Even for some of us, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, were we anywhere to be found in this earth? No. Did any human being know us? No. So we, as well as the rest of the creation, is such that there was a certain time when we did not exist. And eventually there will be a time when we will finish. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above that. He is al-hayy. Meaning He always lived, is living, and will continue to live forever. And this is the reason why all of His attributes are perfect. Remember I told you that His perfect attributes are comprised in Al-Hay? So because He is ever living, all of His attributes are perfect. What does that mean? That because He was always alive and will continue to live on His knowledge, what does it mean for His knowledge then? It's perfect. Our knowledge is deficient. Why? Because we don't know what happened a hundred years ago. We weren't there. Our knowledge is incomplete because no matter how much we try to learn, eventually a time will come when we will die and we will not be able to learn anymore. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above that. So all of His attributes are perfect. The creation. What happened to the creation? With the passage of time, their attributes, they deteriorate. They weaken. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above that because the passage of time does not affect him. It does not cause him to become weak at all because he is al-hayy. So his qudra, his ability is perfect, his knowledge is perfect, his hearing, his seeing, his mercy, his wisdom, everything, all of his attributes are perfect. Allah tells us in Surah Al-Furqan, Ayat 58, that, You should rely, you should trust upon who? Allah, the ever-living, the one who does not die. If you rely upon a human being, eventually he's going to die. If you rely upon your president, eventually he is going to go. If you rely upon your money, eventually it's going to extinguish. But if you rely upon Allah, then what does it mean that He is ever living? So you are fine then. وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْحَيِّ الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتِ In Surah Al-Rahman, Ayah 26, Allah says, كُلُّ مَنْ عَلَيْهَا فَانْ Everything and everyone upon this earth is going to perish. 
It's going to go away. It's going to die. وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذِي الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ But the face of your Lord, that will remain. Meaning Allah will remain because He is eternal. In Surah Al-Hadid, Allah tells us, هُوَ الْأَوَّلُ وَالْآخِرُ He is the first and the last. Meaning there is none before Him and none to come after Him. Because He is Al-Hayy. And then He is also Al-Qayyum. Al-Qayyum from Qiyam. And Qiyam to stand. To establish, to be established. But Al-Qayyum. Just like the word Ghafoor. Ghafoor, what does it mean? Just one who forgives? No, the one who forgives perpetually. Ghaffar. So likewise, Qayyum is not just one who is established, but rather Al-Qayyum is one who is perfectly established himself in a way that he does not need anyone or anything. And at the same time, everything he establishes, meaning everything depends on him. So in other words, Al-Qayyum means two things. Firstly, قَائِمْ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ قَائِمْ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ Meaning the one who is fully and eternally established without any support. He does not need any servant. He does not need any food. He does not need any help. He does not need any protection. No. He is fully and eternally perfectly established on his own without the help, the need, the assistance of anyone whatsoever. And secondly, it means قَائِمْ عَلَى غَيْرِهِ So that everything else depends on him. He is the one who establishes others as well. So everyone depends on him. So what does it mean then? Al-Qayyum, basically what it teaches us is that we all need him and he needs no one. Everything and everyone needs Allah and Allah needs no one at all. He is independent. He is perfect. We depend on one another. We depend on Allah. But Allah does not need to depend on anyone. This is why Allah tells us in Surah Fatir that, Ya ayyuhannas, antumul fuqara ilallah. O people, you are all poor. You are all beggars before Allah. Your status before Allah is like that of a beggar before the one whom He is asking. Has anyone seen anyone begging? They're completely relying on the one whom they're begging. Please give me anything. Anything. Even your used clothes. Even the leftover food. Give me anything. I'm desperate for any help that you can give me. Because I have no other option. Likewise, we are all like beggars before Allah. This is how much we depend on Him. But Allah, He is Al-Ghani, Al-Hamid. The rich the one who is independent and the one who is praiseworthy. Because with his richness, with his independence, with his perfection, he is the one who assists and provides everyone. So he does not need anyone, but everyone needs Allah. In Surah Al-Ra'd, Ayah 33, Allah says, أَفَمَنْ هُوَ قَائِمٌ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ نَفْسٍ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ Then is he who is a maintainer of every soul, knowing what it has earned. Allah knows about our actions, the kind of sins we commit, the kind of shortcomings we have. But yet, He is the one who maintains us. Because He is Al-Qayyum. So Allah, Al-Hay, Al-Qayyum. The possessor of the most perfect attributes and the possessor of the most perfect actions. 
the most perfect actions, they are all comprised in the name of Allah, Al-Qayyum. How? That because He needs no one, because He needs no one, this is why He does not expect any food, any material benefit from us, nothing at all. Rather, He is the one who is muhsin, He is the one who gives us. So His actions are perfect. This is why He sends rain. This is why He sends the sun. This is why He sends the winds. This is why He causes the seasons to change. So most perfect actions in Al-Qayyum. So we see that all of His actions, all of His attributes are perfect. And this is very evident by our own bodies, by the things that surround us, by the world that we live in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows it to us. That He is Al-Hay, that He is Al-Qayyum. And these are the two names of Allah, that when a person calls upon Him by these names, His dua will not be rejected. Now why do you think his dua will not be rejected? Because he's calling upon who? Al-Hay, the one who is capable, completely capable, and Al-Qayyum, the only one who can do anything for you. The only one who can do anything for you. So when you call upon Allah, that, oh Allah, you are fully capable, you are Al-Hay, and you are the only one who can do something for me, who can save me, who can protect me, because you are the one who has nourished me, you are the one who has given me life, then this causes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy to come upon you. This causes Allah's mercy to surround you, to encompass you. So when you call upon Allah by the names Al-Hay, Al-Qayyum, with conviction, with full belief, then Allah will answer your prayers. Then Allah says, لَا تَأْخُذُهُ سِنَةٌ وَلَا نَوْمٌ Drowsiness and sleep, neither of them can overcome him. لَا تَأْخُذُهُ هَمْزَ أَخْذْ is what? To seize, to take something. So, sinah does not seize him and noam does not seize him. What is sinah? Sinah is from the root letters wow, seen, noon, wasn. And sinah is basically drowsiness or you can say the state of sluggishness, lethargy that precedes sleep. So you're sitting in front of your computer and you're typing and you're working and all of a sudden your hands stop moving. And your eyes, they start closing. And you open your eyes and they close again. And you open your eyes and they close again. This is what? Sinna. And eventually you're like, you know what? Turn the computer off and go to bed. So sinna comes first and it's followed by Naum. Naum is from the root letters. Noon, wow, meme. And Naum is sleep. Notice how it has been said that sleepiness, drowsiness does not seize him. Because what happens to us? Sleep overtakes us. You want to sit, you want to work, you want to talk, you want to study. But what happens? Your sleepiness overcomes you. So even though you may want to stay awake, you cannot stay awake. You are helpless. This is why there is an expression in Urdu which says that a person will even sleep on the cross. Meaning even if a person is being crucified and if he's very tired, he will sleep even there. Why? Because when you're tired, then you become helpless before your sleep. But Allah is above this weakness. He never ever gets tired. He never gets exhausted. He never ever needs rest. لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم. He is the one who maintains everything. He sustains everything. He looks after everyone. Yet 
He does not get tired. Yet, he does not need a break. What happens with us? If we are just looking after one child, we get exhausted. If we are looking after one thing, we get tired. We have one school, one university that has its work, or one workplace, and we think because of that, we cannot help out at home at all. This is what we think. Because I'm doing this, this is why I cannot do that. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above this weakness. He never gets tired. In the Quran we learn, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَن تَقُومَ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضُ بِأَمْرِهِ That it's of His signs that the sky and the earth, they are continually established at His command. That you see the sky and the earth, the sun, the moon, Everything is constantly working at whose command? At the command of Allah. Never it is that you say, Oh, you know, the sun, it didn't rise today. Why? Oh, it just didn't. Does it ever happen? Never. Can you even imagine something like that happening? No. When that will happen, that will be a sign of the day of judgment. When the sun rises from the west and not the east. So anyway, the point that I'm making over here is that the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maintains, which is the entire creation, it's being looked after 24-7-365, without any break. And whose hand is behind it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's. And yet He does not get tired. لَا تَأْخُذُهُ سِنَةٌ وَلَا And despite the fact that He's looking after everything and everyone, He is always available. Because He never needs to rest. People, what happens to them? Eventually, they need a break as well. Which is why sometimes you go to some lectures or some classes, and when there is a break, they tell you even the speaker needs a break, even the scholar needs a break, even the lecturer needs a break, the instructor needs a break. So please, let him have a break. So they're unavailable at that time. But tell me, is there any time that you could feel that Allah is too busy to answer my prayers? Never. Never. There could be millions and millions of people praying to Allah at the same time and Allah will respond to their du'as. Allah will answer their du'as. Allah will take care of them. So He is always available. He is As-Samir. He is Al-Basir. So لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم What do other people believe? That Allah when He created the skies and the earth, He rested. But Allah is above that. He does not need any rest. In Surah Qaf, Ayah 38, Allah says, وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامِ وَمَا مَسَّنَا مِنْ لُغُوبِ That certainly we have created the heavens and the earth and whatever that is between them in six days. And no fatigue, no tiredness touched us even. Allah did not get tired even a little bit. The Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَنَامْ وَلَا يَنْبَغِي لَهُ أَنْ يَنَامْ that indeed Allah does not sleep and it does not befit him that he should sleep. He does not need to sleep. It does not befit him that he should sleep. Because also if you think about it, sleep is similar to death. When a person dies, then he can't do anything. Likewise, when a person is sleeping, then can he cook? Can he talk to you? Can he help you? Can he listen to you? No. So when Allah is al-hay, Allah is also not overcome by drowsiness or sleep. Because he is Al-Hay. He is Al-Hay. And because he is Al-Qayyum, this is why Sinah and Naum do not overtake him. Because he is constantly, constantly managing the affairs of his creation. 
لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض to him belong whatever that is in the skies and whatever that is in the earth everything that is in the skies and everything that is in the earth who does it belong to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when he is the owner that means he is the only one who deserves worship that means لا إله إلا هو when he is the owner that means لا إله إلا هو and why is he the owner? because he created everything because he is Allah because he is Al-Hay and no one is Al-Hay but him in Surah Maryam, Ayah 93 to 95, we learn, In kullu man fi samawati wal ard illa ati rahmani abda. There is nothing in the skies or in the earth except that it will come to Allah as a servant. Meaning everything, whether living or non-living, is what? The abd of Allah, the servant of Allah. لَقَدْ أَحْصَاهُمْ وَعَدَّهُمْ عَدَّا وَكُلُّهُمْ آتِيهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فَرْدًا And all of them will come to Allah on the day of judgment alone. To be judged by Allah. The Prophet ﷺ said, There is no space equivalent to the width of four fingers in the sky, except one would find an angel mentioning Allah, meaning worshipping Allah, while standing, bowing or prostrating. So everything that is heavens and the earth, and how much is it? Do we even know the number? Do we even know the number? We have no idea about the number. We cannot even fathom the number of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's khalq. We don't even know, we cannot even imagine it. We cannot even estimate it. And Allah is the owner of all of that. In Surah Al-Muddathir, Ayah 31, Allah says, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّهُ And none knows about the junood of Allah, about the troops of Allah, except for Him. Only Allah knows how much creation He has. لَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ So everything is owned by Allah. And Allah, He is above everything and everyone. You see, the perfection of Allah that is being illustrated in this ayah, that first of all, there is no God but Him. Secondly, only He is ever living. Thirdly, He is Al-Qayyum. Then, there is no Sina, no noam that overtakes him. And everything belongs to him. So he is at the top. He is the highest. He is the most grand. The most elevated. This is why Allah says, Who is it? Man, who is it? The is that. The is just like in the word hadha or thalika. It means that. Who is it? That could yashfa'u indahu, who could intercede before him. Yashfa'u from shafa'a. And we have done this word a number of times before. Intercession. Who is it that can intercede near him? Illa bi'idni, except by his permission. Except by his idn. What does idn mean? It's from the root letters Hamza dal noon. And idn is permission to allow someone to do something. So who is it? that can intercede before him except with his permission. Meaning no one can dare to intercede before him except when Allah allows for them. Only when and if Allah allows for them, then they can dare to speak before him even. On the day of judgment, shafa'ah, intercession will take place. Shafa'ah, intercession will take place. Why? In order to ward off some harm from people, 
and in order to bring some benefit to them. For two reasons. What are they? To ward off harm or to bring benefit. So, for instance, on the Day of Judgment, all the people will gather together. All people. No one excluded. And the judgment will not begin immediately. Rather, people will have to wait for a very, very long time. To the point that people will be exhausted, they will be overcome by their fear and panic, and they will run to Adam salam and they will say, we cannot take this anymore. Please request to Allah to begin the judgment. And if we're to go to Jannah, send us there. And if we're to go to hellfire, send us there. We can't wait any longer. This is how intense the day of judgment will be. But Adam salam will say, I can't. I disobeyed my Lord when I ate of the fruit of the tree, so I'm afraid I cannot ask Allah. So the people will go to one prophet after the other. And eventually, they will go to Muhammad wasallam, who will intercede, who will request to Allah, that, oh Allah, begin the judgment, and Allah will then begin the judgment. So that judgment will begin at the intercession of who? Muhammad wasallam. Why? To ward off harm from people, and to bring benefit to them. The Prophet ﷺ said that I will stand under the throne and I will fall in prostration and Allah will allow me to remain in that position as much as He wills. I will thereafter be told, raise your head, speak and you will be heard. Intercede and your intercession will be accepted. So shafa'ah will take place. Likewise, shafa'ah will take place on the Day of Judgment so that those who are suffering in hellfire or those who are destined in hellfire at the intercession, at the request, at the plea of someone, they be forgiven by Allah. This is just like if there is a student who is in trouble. And the principal has said, that's it, the student is going to be given detention. And the teacher goes and requests to the principal, that look, I will take care of him, please don't give him detention, I will make sure that he does not repeat this bad behavior again. And if something happens, it's on me. So this is what the teacher is doing, shafa'ah for the student. Likewise, shafa'ah on the Day of Judgment will also be so that people are admitted into paradise. They are sent to Jannah. That their ranks be elevated. They be given more reward in paradise. So this shafa'ah will also take place. But Allah says over here that who is it that can dare to intercede on that day except with the permission of Allah? Meaning no one will be able to intercede except with the permission of Allah. Why? Because ultimate authority on that day will belong to who? Only Allah. Al-mulku yawma'idhin lillah. All power, all kingship, all authority, all sovereignty on that day will belong to who? Allah alone. So even the most righteous of people, even the most righteous of angels, the highest of the angels even, cannot intercede cannot speak before Allah except after He allows them. And why is it so? Because people will be extremely afraid on that day. Even the most righteous creation, the most obedient creation will be most afraid on that day. This is just like if someone is very high in their position and you're supposed to talk to them. But you don't have the courage to approach them and to speak even one word before them. Doesn't it ever happen to you? It does. You want to go to your teacher at school and you want to speak to her, but you're afraid. So you don't even dare to look her into the eye. You want to go speak to your boss, but you know that they're very upset about something and you don't even dare to approach them and speak to them. So the greater someone is, 
the more you fear them. And the more you fear them, the more difficult it is for you to speak before them. And on the day of judgment, this will be most evident. That people will not be able to speak even in front of Allah. What do we learn at the end of Surah An-Naba? That tells us that none will be able to speak before Allah on that day. لَا يَتَكَلَّمُونَ إِلَّا مَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ الرَّحْمَانُ وَقَالَ صَوَابًا لَا يَتَكَلَّمُونَ No one will speak except for the one whom Allah allows. And that person also says that which is right, which is correct. يَوْمَ يَقُومُ الرُّوحُ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ The ruh, angel Jibreel will be there, the angels will be there. The most righteous of people will be there. But none will dare to speak before Allah out of fear of Allah. Because on that day, his most grand status and position will be evident. Like it has never been evident before. Now, on the day of judgment when intercession will occur, it will occur when three conditions are met. That first of all, Allah allows for the intercession to occur. That that option is even given for someone to intercede. That Allah allows for the intercession to occur. Secondly, the condition is that Allah allows for the one interceding to intercede. Meaning, no one can just walk up and say, Oh Allah, I beg you, please forgive this person. Just, no one can do that. That person has to be given permission from Allah to intercede. In the Qur'an we learn, وَكَمْ مِنْ مَلَكٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ لَا تُغْنِي شَفَاعَتُهُمْ شَيْئًا إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ أَنْ يَأْذَنَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَرْضَى And there are many angels in the heavens whose intercession will avail nothing except after Allah has given leave for whom He wills and is pleased with. And thirdly, the third condition is that Allah allows for the one in whose favor intercession is being sought that yes, intercession may be done in His favor. So three conditions. That first of all, it is allowed to occur. Secondly, Allah allows for the one who is interceding to intercede. And thirdly, Allah allows that the person for whom intercession is being taken place, he is worthy of it, he is deserving of it. So for example, Abu Jahl, can anyone intercede for him? Would anyone be allowed? Abu Lahab, it's understood he's going to hellfire. Allah has said this in the Qur'an. Fir'aun, Ibrahim a.s. father. Can Ibrahim a.s. even intercede for his father? No. It's not going to work. Because Allah will not allow that for those individuals, intercession be done. Likewise, can any person go and intercede? No. It is only those who will be given a special favor by Allah that they will be allowed to intercede for others. Amongst them are who? The Prophet wasallam. Amongst them are angels even. Righteous servants of Allah. Allah will bestow favor upon them, elevate their ranks on that day, and allow them to intercede for others. So Allah says, مَن ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ In the Qur'an Allah says, وَلَا يَشْفَعُونَ إِلَّا لِمَنِ ارْتَضَى And they will not intercede except for the one whom Allah is pleased with. 